Hey, Zero Block 30 listeners, you can find us every Tuesday and Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Pride members can also listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Listen up, we've got some tea and you all are going to be obsessed. We spoke with the Abercrombie team and they told us that they were gonna launch a wedding shop. Well, we lost it because as you know, we are both getting ready to get Abercrombie and hitched. The whole vibe of Abercrombie these days is clothes you'd wear for a perfect long weekend and all their customers were like, hey, we spend long weekends traveling for weddings these days and then Abercrombie was like, we love that. Let us just give you everything you could ever possibly want and love to wear for all things wedding. So they did. It has everything. Tons of dresses, jumpsuits, pants, swimsuits, pajamas, pantsuits, and all perfectly curated for different events, bachelorettes, brunches, showers, ceremonies as a guest and ceremonies as a bride, reception, and even honeymoon. It is incredible. Check out the Abercrombie Wedding Shop on Abercrombie.com. Go shop it now. God. Oh. My wife just texted me that my coffee was creamed. They made me, they creamed me. Oh my, my God. Oh, I fucking no. hate when I get creamed, dude. That's why I got to start making it at home with fucking Death Wish coffee, honestly. But we'll get to that in just a minute. Because today we have six rounds in the magazine. Round number one, an Iraq war veteran with a purple heart had his truck stolen right outside his house yesterday. And he'll be joining us to talk about the ordeal because, uh, it was me, fellas. It was me. Why were all the topics? ZBT listeners told us that they had what they had stolen from them, and we're going to share the best ones with you. Round number two, try as we might, we can't escape corona goofing because there's massive effects on all the branches. Earlier this week, the Secretary of the Navy, who we've been talking about, resigned after a major de-drama on the USS Roosevelt which is getting pretty grim. Like, their situation is fucking terrible. We're going to talk about it, but it is awful right now for those folks. Round number three, Steve Carell has a new show coming out about the Space Force. Will it actually be good? I doubt it, and we're probably going to have to go full-on the code mode on their asses and go back to Washington, D.C., social distancing on the steps of the Capitol. Round number four, we have a Marine welder turned veteran, or nope, as you were. We have a Marine welder who turned to law school after he got out. You're going to want to hear from him as career week continues. Round number five, we're going to have Congressman Dan Crenshaw on to talk about coronavirus, to talk about his new book, and talk about whatever else we get into, which includes butthole eyes. Round number six, no more brass trash or live ammunition, ma'am. The Army and the Marine Corps are finally on the verge of dumping brass case ammo what will this mean for our beloved police calls and all that is going to be brought to you by like i said our good friends at death wish coffee death with coffee if you haven't had it it is absolutely delicious earlier this week i wasn't used to death wish i made my own cold brew with it which you can check out on zero block 30's twitter page all you have to do is just take the grounds put it in a little cheesecloth do you guys know how to do this make your own cold brew where it's good and not acidic and you don't actually have to brew it do you know how to do it I haven't done it yet, but now is the time. I feel like it is. this is the time where you have time on your hands to like actually learn how to do cool stuff with coffee. <laughs> like I got, to, I got to. Yeah, there's a bunch of the Instagram thoughts. Can we say thoughts on the show? I think we can. I think that's okay. Yeah, a lot of the Instagram thoughts out there are making something called foam coffee. What is that? Who knows? Yeah. You guys know about that? My Aunt Peggy's been doing that too, Chaps. <laughs> 
Oh, shout out Aunt Peggy. Oh, Aunt Peggy, very much, very much not a thought. She's not a thought. No, no, she's thoughty. Don't do that. You're right. Guys. She's a little thoughty. Yeah, All she's right. sassy. All right, so we have the cold brew. You put it in a little cheesecloth, order them. They're like $3. You put a couple tablespoons of coffee in. You get a half-gallon jug. Fill it up with cold water. Leave it on your counter for 12 hours. It is strong. It's not acidic, which a lot of people, did you know this? Whenever people that have to go to the bathroom right away after you drink coffee, it's because of the acidic nature of coffee. Whenever you do it cold brew style, it takes the acidity away. You don't have to do that. It's just a much more smooth flavor. That's why I'm a cold brew guy, especially with Death Wish Coffee, which you can get for 15% off right now if you use our promo code ZBT. Go to deathwishcoffee.com slash zero if you're looking for some coffee. It's great. You can get uh, entered to win a contest to get uh, cold brew, Barstool Sports merchandise, and a year's worth of Death with Coffee because they have the cold brew that also comes in a can that you can just pop the top again if you don't have to want to stop at like a gas station or anything like that. You can do it from home. They also have the death cups, the whole beans, the grounds, the cold brew, everything that you can imagine. And they have 300 milligrams of caffeine per can, which is crazy town it's amount been of the, caffeine. It's been what's getting me by. I have to tell yeah. you. Uh, they sent me all those things, the grounds, the cold brew, everything. And so I don't have to use the cheesecloth. I just have them in my fridge. And I, every morning, because I've been talking about it overkill kind of, but I'm up all night long. And then when I get up, I, I was worried when they sent it that like, oh, it's, it is going to be too harsh of a taste because the caffeine. And it's not. It's, it's just like the perfect cup of coffee. And it gets me going in these crazy times. So sorry for say- rambling, but I'm a fan. The one thing that was very, very nice about Death Wish Coffee, obviously their coffee is delicious and all of the products are great, but did you guys each get one of their mugs as well? Oh, yeah. The mug is fucking high quality. Yeah. Very nice mug. Made in America, by the way. It's a patriotic mug. But yeah, no, that mug. super heavy. It'll keep your coffee warm for a long time. We've gone way over. We're only supposed to talk like 60 seconds, but we actually do like it. So we're going to cut talk about it a little bit longer. That's fine. It's... I mean, we got nothing but time, right? We're just sitting nothing around. Everybody's not doing shit. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, Bitching exactly. about 60-second ads. Shut up. We're, we're just trying to have a good time here. Yeah. Kate hasn't talked to anybody. Cons hasn't talked to anybody's girlfriend. I'm only talking to people that live in my house. It's fucking miserable. We're going to talk to each other for a while. I hope you don't mind, and we're going to start doing that when we kick off the ZBT show. I started off the day in a bad mood. I actually went to bed in a bad mood, which I hate doing. Because yesterday, I guess this is round one. We'll start it. It's kind of scuttlebutt. But round number one, my truck was stolen last night or two nights ago. And so, and you know, getting your truck stolen, I'm not one of those dudes that takes super pride in like my grass or how my garage is set up or what my tools are set up like that's just not who I am as a person I don't care about that I don't care if my backyard looks good somebody else cuts my grass I don't care about any of that stuff but Mm -hmm. my truck was kind of like my only thing that was all mine like my wife never drove my truck my kids never drove my truck everything else in my house my playstation my xbox my kids play it my computer they're on it my truck is the only thing that was mine. When we went somewhere as a family, we go somewhere in the Tahoe. I'm in my truck when it's essentially just me or maybe me dropping off one of my kids. That's it. So to take that from me was bullshit. And it was you, bullshit. How did it happen, Chapsky? Yeah, I was just kind of retell the story. Yeah, so I'll walk you through it a little bit. So whenever I 
I didn't know because we're not going anywhere. I legitimately, I swear, I don't. I think I, I've left my house once in three weeks. I went to Starbucks. I drove through Starbucks drive-through one time. That's the only time I've left my house in legitimately three weeks today. It's the only time I've left. Maybe even longer than that. Maybe it's a maybe it's four weeks now. But I haven't gone anywhere. So the need to drive my truck is not there. I had my truck parked at the end of my driveway because McCartney, my youngest, likes to play basketball. I have the basketball hoop set up in the driveway, and I did like almost a serpentine type of <laughs> a barrier with my F-250 at the end of my driveway so nobody could drive into our driveway whenever they're playing outside and playing basketball or whatever. Nobody could get in because my truck was parked right at the front of my driveway. My wife's car was parked in front of that. Well, yesterday, one of our friends that just moved down from Oregon is going to our church, has been having a rough time being away from family, being locked in their house for a while for themselves. So my wife and kids made a cake while I was working. They made a cake and decided to bring the cake over to one of their friends' house. Well, I looked out the window to see if they had gone yet because I was doing something like writing a blog. And I just looked out the window to see if they were doing something and didn't see my truck there. How much did your butthole pucker? When you- uh, I mean, not really at first, because when I fr- when I looked out to see, I thought that's really weird. I was like, maybe Annalise is just goofing, like and thought that <laughs> yeah. taking my truck would make the kids laugh. Like her, the idea of her tiny ass driving my big ass <laughs> truck would yeah. just be funny to them, which it sure. would be. Like my kids would legitimately laugh if she took it because she hasn't drove dad's truck ever. Like maybe once around the neighborhood, but she hates to drive it, so she never did. Well, I looked out the window, I didn't see it, and I thought that's really strange. So then I looked at the, the video camera that's outside, and I didn't see her Tahoe either. So then that is when my stomach completely dropped. dropped. Yeah. And I thought maybe I parked it. Maybe I'm misremembering because my memory is bad. It's like maybe I parked it down the street, did something like on the other side of the house where I normally don't park. And I looked at my camera because I have a security camera, and – in the middle of the night, you could just see like there's one glare that comes up at four o'clock in the morning because it does these little trips. If anything trips it, if somebody drives in front of it, you can see at 440 in the morning, I see my truck lights come on and then I go back five minutes. I see the same car go around my little circles two uh. times. Then somebody gets out and then somebody gets in and they I mean, I have my keys here. It was locked. They punched, what I imagine, they just take a screwdriver. I watched it on YouTube, how you can actually do it. You just punch through with a flathead screwdriver, twist it, you're in the car in like two seconds. It's Mm -hmm. 2004, so it doesn't pick up the things that a modern one would. And you could just jam a a flathead screwdriver into the ignition and turn it, and it takes two seconds. So they're in and out of my... I mean, it took 45 seconds from beginning to end of them to steal my truck. Yeah, and I mean, if there's there's no alarm going off, uh, you know, most people, I think, sleep soundly enough that they're not going to hear a car door. And it does have an alarm. Like, that's what pissed me off, man. Like, all these people are like, oh, you didn't have OPSEC. Shut the fuck. Of course not, dude. Like, I live in a nice neighborhood. I drive my truck all the time. It's been out there forever. Nothing's ever happened. It was locked. I had the keys inside my house. My kids play basketball early in the morning. I'm not getting my dumb ass up to move it out of the garage. And I have all kinds of other shit in my garage anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and the all people- these people, people were like, oh, staying you have a purple heart plate. You're a motard. Dude, I have a purple heart plate because I get to park for air- at the airport for free. Like, I get to go yeah. anywhere, any city or state taxes go away. I don't have to pay registration on my vehicle. Why the fuck would I not have that? No, but the people who came at you and said, oof, kind of would have expected more uh, for personal security from a veteran. Like, 
Like you're Shut just the you're, fuck like veterans up. are what just impervious. Yeah. Am I, to I sitting outside like I'm Chris Kyle on my fucking roof? Yeah. Like I actually posted <laughs> Firewatch. Like I have my kids posted Firewatch <laughs> in the middle of the night during coronavirus season. And somebody's like, "You didn't hear that 2004?" No, dude, I don't live in a tiny little place. And like your I bedroom. Live, I, is in the back it's, of the house. Yeah, I have a pretty decent-sized house. Like, in my bedroom's in the back. And I sleep with earplugs and a sound machine because I have PTSD and don't sleep well. Right. <laughs> so, like, that's just part of life. Who uh, gets but- mad? Who gets mad at a veteran for getting their truck stolen? Well, I don't think it was people <laughs> getting mad so much as, like, people were, were chirping. But, I mean, chats. who chirps? Ridiculous. Who's, who's a douchebag like, Monday about morning it? quarterbacking yeah. out the ass. I, Not to mention. I was legitimately shocked. Like, why, yeah. why would you go— Dude, you, it's in front of my house. I could see if they're like, oh, chaps, you, you probably shouldn't have left your fucking truck at Buffalo Wild Wings for two weeks. Like, I could see if that. <laughs> yeah. It's in front of my own right. fucking house. Yeah. No one feels bad that I can't find my car. That was a Katie did it to herself. You <laughs> right. were for sure a victim here. That sucks. And I mean, I've been to your house. I stayed there. Your driveway is not that long, so it's not that crazy to park at the end of it. And But what shocked me was that your neighborhood, the houses are close together, not super close, but, and there's not, it's not like a forest. It's wide open. And that these assholes, I have a theory. Don't, I'm sorry if this is mean, if you love oh. your car person, you got all these crazy upgrades to your truck, these great upgrades to it. Yeah, I've so, seen so much, that. A lot of people think it's the electronic, and that's actually where they said yeah. they're going to go investigate first. Yeah, I think maybe it's an inside. They seem to know your truck like clockwork. Yeah, hmm. it just really sucks, man, because even though like people another comment that pissed me off was when people were talking about, oh, it's just good so we can get the insurance money. Dude, it was paid off. It's a 2004 yeah. Yeah. F-250 with 49,000 miles on it. It would have driven forever. And if I wanted to progressive would probably give me 15, 17 grand. I could have sold that with the pristine shape that it's in with a brand new bulletproof engine that I just got two years ago. I could have sold that for easily twenty thousand dollars in like a week on craigslist didn't happen i don't want a new car i want that car people were accusing you of insurance fraud (laughs) yeah they were like maybe he's just trying to get the insurance like dude i make plenty of money like if i want to trade in my truck i'll do it i don't think we've reached that level of boredom in the quarantine yet where you're like you know what i'm thinking about a felony and if i was gonna do it why would i not do it with the tahoe let's sit out front yeah yeah i think people have so much time on their hands now that the trolls are in overdrive but to make you feel a little bit better, chaps, I wanted you to know you're not alone. Mm-hmm. So I went on the Zero Blog 30 Twitter and I asked, did you or your unit ever have anything notable stolen from you? Well, in an, within an hour. And this was at 11.13 p.m. I posted it. There was like 100 responses right away. Like mm. People were like, oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Big so, time gears adrift. Big, big, big time gears adrift. Trucks adrift, gears, uh, gears adrift. First, uh, but, before we get into it, where do we stand on that as a philosophy of gear drift as a gift? Part of me. There, there is two schools of thought. I, I will tell you. So my example was one of my Marines before the first deployment went out in town with his truck, his open bed truck, and had his flak jacket, sappy plates, half of his gear, half of mm. his gear from SIF that he was taking on deployment in the back of his open bed truck. And then went to the went to see like a movie with the gear in the back truck. When he came back, it was all gone. And this was like well, a yeah. week, a week or two before deployment. I wasn't mad at whoever stole it. I said, "Good no. for you, whoever stole it." He's a fucking right. moron. It was the only time in my entire Marine Corps 
time that I screamed in someone's face that I like oh, that I knife oh, Katie and I fans. have that footage. Wouldn't you cons yeah. Oh, yeah. the video of Kate screaming it. at somebody? For like a week after that, I, I was I was waking him up at all times of night, like, get up, oh. we're going for a run, get up, we're oh. doing this. Like I like ruined myself. Katie to, like, individual make, training. Yeah, okay. I went like ham on him because I what a stupid fucking thing to do right before deployment. That anyways, mm-hmm. so that I don't mind. Sometimes if you're stupid with your gear and it gets taken, I don't blame the stealer. I also yes. think that the same thing applies to dip or cigarettes. If you leave those out on a table, they're free game. For you sure. You have to have it in your pocket. Yep. And if you have it in your hand and somebody says, let me get that, you have to share. That's a Absolutely. Yes. Well, so some common answers that we got were guidons, like one unit stealing the guidon <laughs> from another unit. Or mm-hmm. somebody said um, this guy in their unit EAS and he just took it and dipped. He like never came back. He took his own unit's guidon. Uh, I like that move, too. I think yeah. everybody should do that. Yeah, I think that's pretty smart. Uh, and then like guidons and stuff like that, like one ship trying to steal it from Canada to ship in a port, mm. like that kind of thing dignity but that's just goofing it yeah, was that's just not, that's not stealing that's kind of like bad. a spirit mission uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people said dignity oh they stole my dignity huh i get it that's true morale was another common one my wife a couple times jody <laughs> yeah. stealing wives and then the other the hand two, up yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're just uh, a glutton for punishment chaps uh, yeah. yeah i know you shouldn't have left your last wife at the end of the driveway man she, true she still be, uh <laughs> com equipment communications equipment like satellite dishes and shit that units were it was like units like officers telling their people to go steal it from another unit type shit and mm-hmm. then uh a lot of rifle and weaponry which is troubling but anyways but <laughs> there was a couple other ones that i noted in here that just kind of tickled me so two separate military folks veterans were upset about bricks that got stolen from them when they were in and to me this first one is just such a military like bricks yeah so at kyle Kyle Scherter said, we had a block of cement that propped up open the outside door to our team room. Oh. Heavy enough to hold the door, light enough to kick out of the way with your foot. Perfection. Some fucker stole it. It pissed us off for months. We keep a keen eye out around our battalion looking for the perp. Like, it's the little things when you're in the military, like the perfect brick that holds your door open. Yeah. And you get yep. real upset when it gets taken. Somebody took the bench from our smoke pit in Okinawa, and it was fucking Ooh, brutal, man. Right? We had a perfect bench that actually had a back, and you ha- we had, like, the awning that you could sit out in front of. And it was gone, and we noticed that another unit took it, like, three months later. But every day for three months, whenever you'd go outside and smoke, you'd be like, where the fuck is our bench, man? Yeah. It's the little things like that. Well, so then Texas Beaver. The little luxuries. Texas Beaver did something he shouldn't have done, but still. He said, I I got a brick from the ziggurat of Ur. Isn't that the big, it's some big worldwide landmark. I should know what it is. Anyways, kind of pissed about. Ziggurat of Ur. Yeah, he got a brick, so he must have been there traveling on his military trips forever. Um, And it got stolen. Kind of pissed about that. I hid it in my gas mask pouch, so he knew he wasn't supposed to have it. So clever. Now it's probably a doorstop in some motor pool office. So two people who are, whose bricks got taken and they know they're holding a door open somewhere on, on base. The perfect bricks. Um, well, lest we forget, the ziggurat of Ur is actually a neo-Sumerian ziggurat in which mm. the city of Nazaria <laughs> in the present day uh, DR province of Iraq that's there. It's this, the structure was built in the early Bronze Age and had crumbled the ruins by the 6th century mm. and the Neo-Babylon period um, when it was restored by King Nabonassus. So, well, hopefully it was course. the ghost of King Nabonassus <laughs> that took the brick back to the ziggurat yeah. for so many people tagged 3-6. I think I have a story that'll make you feel a little bit better about having your 
truck stolen now. Is that about you eating pea oatmeal again? No, no, it's not. <laughs> what is it? Is it about but the Guardian? If, you, if you, but if you need to to refresh, you can you can think about that one too. But no, when I was Once in Iraq, my monocle slipped off my Ooh, head. Hello, Ooh, I went to the chow hall and I was like, when no, I went bits. to Ooh, no and crushed Okay. I was cleaning my clothes and my sneakers, and I put my favorite pair of running shoes on top of the tent to dry. Came back an hour later, those suckers were gone. Oh, and see, that's one that you can. Then you just you fucking eye fuck everybody whenever that happens. There was another one that I saw on the list. I think it came through this morning that somebody's platoon sergeant stole their sunglasses and then wore them every day for like (laughs) two years, and they had to watch him do it. There was several people who said I had these high speed gloves that I had bought, and the next range I saw my gunny wearing them. Like people like had all sorts of stories of higher ups just pluck, pluck, pluck. But in the gunny's defense, that is a perfectly acceptable gears adrift. Yes, gloves and shit like that if they're on there. I have no knowing if somebody from the previous range right? took it. Now it's totally different if I grab it from a bag. But if you lay it out on a table, anything on a table is up for grabs. Mm-hmm. I agree. Now stealing unless on your ships, name is properly marked. This is true. We got a bunch of, well, speaking of, you're going to hate this then, chaps, properly marked with a name. We got a ton of Navy people reaching out saying on ships, stealing is high, 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 because it's not like you can run off to the store and get right. a new piece of gear if you mm-hmm. misplace it, whatever. So this one, Davy Bo said, well, let me give this first one. You said people putting their names. Said, no, I never had anything stolen from me. This is Thunder God Sea. But I used to steal people's Navy covers on deployment, but only if they had their name written in them. They love taking marked gear. <laughs> uh, also, this person, Bo Davy, said, had my dress shoes stolen on my ship days before a change of command. Needless to say, I ended up getting in trouble and having to do a sea bag inspection and a fashion show because somebody Man. else stole his fucking shoes. And then he said, I asked him, I was like, he said for the rest of like the whole inspection, everything, he was looking down at everyone's feet, trying to see who had his size. Yep. Uh, and then this is my favorite. Stu Lu said, my entire sleeping system was stolen on a ship. Imagine- oh, that one's common. <laughs> sleeping system getting gone is, uh, yes. that's, that motherfucker's expensive too. If you yeah. have to replace your sleeping system, I think it's like 500 bucks. Yeah, it's it's a lot more expensive than one would think for a few sleeping Yeah, You can't bags. just go yeah. on Amazon and buy a Coleman sleeping bag. No, I just no, picture no. him getting done a long day and coming back and like everything's gone. Um, and then some of the thieves spoke out. So <laughs> this, the Robert amnesty time. We should have an amnesty box. We should have an amnesty Ooh. box. For, oh, we <laughs> that should be our it. phone line is the amnesty box. The amnesty box. Well, let's get to it. Let's get on it. Well, this guy, uh, the robot devil, this is a man who just likes to watch the world burn. I read this and I was like, what the fuck? said, I walked into the Chow Hall's office with a purpose one day and a piece of paper and walked out with their gunnies and master sergeants PT flak jackets just because I could. <laughs> I, also, I also removed all the toilet paper from every company office on base yes. to get even with some of the senior enlisted for being jerks to juniors. They never knew and never checked my closet during inspections, which were literally stuffed so full of toilet paper the door barely closed. This is a man <laughs> who just... For no reason, just going about. But now during coronavirus, he walks out and he's like, well, well, well. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I I love this one. This one's from White Bear. The USS Chicago had a series of alcohol-related incidents during Liberty in Guam. No surprise there. But they had to leave early. They got underway early and had to dip out as a result. Uh, And so this person was stationed there on land. And they said that the USS Chicago left a refrigerated Connex box half full of food. 
all of us jacked from it, but my roommate and I must have gotten 80 pounds of bacon. That's so not we, stealing. Wait, wait, That's wait. just like... So we invited people over to make food with it. Bacon wrapped in stuffed turkey. Bacon in a slow cooker with maple syrup and hot sauce. Bacon and beans. Bacon kalugan. Bacon fried rice. Bacon wrapped deep fried corn dogs. They're Fuck. basically like the Forrest Gump of bacon. He goes on to say they had also <laughs> stolen those hamsters and wrapped those bacon wrapped hamsters. Yeah, bacon oh, wrapped. bacon wrapped hamsters. Now we're I, cooking with gas. Yeah. I don't see a problem with this one, though. That food was probably going to go bad. Because that con- 80 when pounds of bacon is, is a lot, though. Yeah. I feel like when Connexes get left behind somewhere, they're just forgotten about for the rest of time. So. I mean, dude, yeah. look what's happening in Iraq right now. I mean, yeah, whenever seriously. you go through and that you just see people just plundering. It's just a bunch of gear. That's why when people say it's a bill a million dollars a million dollars to the dod is nothing it's like nothing. they they turn over a million dollars constantly yeah constantly it's no biggie. all the time all right speaking of guam let's move on to round number two where we're going to get into a little bit of coronavirus goofing this story has been all over the place for the last uh, i think three shows that we've had it and each time we get done recording there's a new little wrinkle that unfolds mm-hmm. recently one of the unfolding things before we Last time we talked to you, we were just telling you that the Secretary of the Navy went out to the USS Roosevelt. Well, whenever he left, there, he also pinned a letter to the New York Times that was an op-ed, oddly enough, directed at Tweed Roosevelt. You might recognize that name from Teddy Roosevelt and Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Who? What is their relations? Cons? How are they related? How is Tweed related? He's the great— No, how is, how is Franklin and— um, and Theodore Teddy? Roosevelt, yeah, re- related. Cousins. Do you know which one? No, I don't. I do not. Fifth cousins. They're oh, fifth oh. cousins. Yeah, and actually, Teddy Roosevelt married his cousin, too. Like married oh, his cousin. very cool. So Tweed Roosevelt had said great all these different things. Of yeah, Teddy. All, all the, the great-great-grandson of um, Teddy Roosevelt had said, mentioned all these different things of how they need at the leadership well, the Secretary of the Navy, the former Secretary of the Navy now, former acting Secretary of the Navy, went over the top on a DOD website addressed to the New York Times addressing uh, Tweed Roosevelt and saying, essentially, your grandfather would not have put up with this kind of stuff. You need bold leadership now. That's not what Captain Crozier did. Well, immediately after that, within two hours, he deleted that from the DOD's websites and then an hour after that, he resigned his position after apologizing while still taking shots at Captain Crozier. It was just the most bizarre set of circumstances. Well, on top of that, too, right after we got done recording, the full audio leaked. Then there was actual audio recordings where you could hear him on the USS Roosevelt giving his speech over the loudspeakers, yelling at them all. And you can hear sailors in the background going, what the fuck you can hear them just hating because it's just over the intercom like you would be in fifth grade whenever the principal is calling Mm -hmm. it was essentially like please come to the auditorium right now like and that's what it was so those two things just like i think said it over the top the sway of public opinion um, other people, there were congressmen, there were Democratic congressmen calling for him to, like, get the hell out of here. Republicans, whatever. too. There were some Republicans, Republicans out there. Yeah. Um, but so he resigned on his own accord, putting the Navy and sailors above himself so that the USS mm. Theodore Roosevelt and the Navy can move forward, said Esper. What was uh, your personal favorite uh, hypocrisy in his speech to the people on the Roosevelt? Hard you to have say. One? Oh, just the, just the irony of, of calling out Captain Crozier for being too stupid or naive to know that his letter was going to get leaked when, in fact, he had to have known that this audio was going to get back to the media somehow. 
exactly. Exactly. That's yep. a, that part. Whenever I whenever I heard it, it was like, and he said, "I didn't expect this to get out to everybody." Like in yeah. this day and age, oh, really? you didn't. You whenever didn't? you told you did it, you didn't do a mass formation. You had it talked to everybody while they're in their birthings. You didn't think it was going to get out, and now it came out in a recent report. Do you know how much money it costs the government? I was going to mention to send that. the Secretary of the Navy there. Nearly how much three, cost? Nearly three hundred thousand dollars. It was like two eighty and change. To, Insane to up the for one jet. Crazy. And man. especially with the virus, it's not even like he could stand before them. He was in a room. He could have just recorded a tape. He could have done it on Zoom. He could have done it on Skype. Yeah. Yeah. But crazy. And now 286 sailors aboard that aircraft carrier have now tested positive. And again, Captain Crozier was one of them who also tested positive. So, I mean, just an absolute complete. Uh, what, how many did you say? Uh, 286. It's up to over 400 right now. Oh, now it's like over. The, yeah. the reports this morning, it's, it was like 450 have confirmed, and there was yeah. one sailor that was found unresponsive. So we're goofing around the subject, but it's very serious, and it's yeah. very clear that Captain Crozier made the right decision. If you slow play that decision at all, you leave a couple more days, who knows what happens with as yeah. contagious as coronavirus is. It could have really taken over the entire ship, and people that were concerned about mission readiness, you have an entire crew go down and they have to be in 14 days of quarantine right that is affects mission readiness and, and lethality more so than the captain releasing a, a message I yeah would, because i would think i mean i have to imagine a 4800 person ship you could probably operate that ship with i don't know 2500 3000 people you can afford to lose some people but if you lose an entire ship yeah not a good not a good uh, idea to let those people just stay on yeah. that ship and ultimately end up with this virus so drama 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 it's been i love that like the whole public's been getting in on it too because there's no sports i feel right. like they're like give us the tea bitch like everybody oh yeah like it, that that's been really interesting to see it's over the military twitter and things like that other people getting involved like i've had people from work text me like what the fuck's going on with this captain <laughs> that would have never happened right? before it's so, crazy and the three-star recently went on there now, too. The three-star admiral went on the ship yesterday to try to quell some of it. There's a go – There, what are those things called? A change uh, – change.org or something like that. Petition. Where you oh, petition. Yeah, you petition yeah. the White House to, to make a decision to go back. You can't do that. Well, I was you just going to say – You like, can't put that toothpaste back in the tube. He's no. gone. You can't have him go back. It's like a right. giant petition that shows that civilians don't understand how the military works. But that's okay. The thought, the thought was there, guys. Uh, <laughs> what do you think the reaction would be if he's like – uh, like he, Captain Crozier walks out of his the private car that is driven by a driver, and he walks up back up to the USS Roosevelt and waves like Forrest Gump whenever yeah. he's he's on his shrimp boat and he sees Lieutenant Dan for the first time. Hey, I you think guys. that's gonna happen. I think. Yeah. But other than that, and we're still following. Who knows what's gonna happen next in that crazy saga? Some other quick uh, coronavirus scuttlebutt from around the military, just because it's a big thing and it's affecting. Mm -hmm. There's now 28,400 Air and Army National Guard troops activated around the country and in three territories assisting with virus response. So huge thank you if you're listening right now and you're one of them. Thanks for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, it has, I'm not going to go into too many details, but it's definitely hit the VA hospitals now. Um, several workers at the VA have lost their lives now, along with hundreds of, of veterans at these facilities. So it's it's going through. My um, my great uncle, who I've had, I talked about on the show and told his story. He was in the Frozen Chosen Korean War. He just tested positive, and it's not. Oh man. Yeah, it's 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 really sad. It's it's hitting a lot of people. So um, the stop movement order affecting military moves is expected to go past the original May 11th date now. And then my perfect scuttle, my favorite scuttlebutt news from this whole thing. The Marine Corps on Monday ordered all of its personnel to start wearing cloth cloth face coverings to prevent the spread of the virus, but restricted Marines 
from wearing masks with higher levels of protection, such as N95 masks that actually work. So they're like, you can wear a mask, but not the ones that actually do nothing. Yeah, like, you know, uh, both both the Marines and I saw the Army, too. They're putting out instructions on how to make your own mask from an old uniform T-shirt. You have to imagine that these are going to look like some of the most ratty, ugly-looking oh, masks. Oh, I disagree there. I think there's going to be classes upon classes. Because the <laughs> Marine Corps, especially the Marine Corps, we don't let you roll your sleeves any old way you want to. There is going to be a ditty. There's going to be an official regulation of how big it can be. You're going to not be able to have your ma- your face guard more than one eighth of an inch below your nostril. Like there's going to be so many regulations that come out from the Marine Corps. And whenever it came out from headquarters, Marine Corps, that this is what they wanted to do. They posted this stupid ass video about how to actually make it. I quote tweeted it and said, if it wasn't for safety and like the spreading of a pandemic, I would absolutely love how dumb my beloved core is. (laughs) We were just the biggest bunch of, Idiots, when it comes to personal protection, what are we doing? I Just promise say you. protect yourself, Marie. Chaps, that's like in, in, you know, one of your favorite movies that you often quote, A Few Good Men, and they mm-hmm. say like, oh, they're ate up. Ate up about what? Ate up about being Marines. Yeah, they're fanatical about what? Yeah. About being Marines. And that's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly what we are. Every stereotype that is out there about Marines was nailed down because of Pretty this. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, and you have it. We, I was talking about it with one of my buddies that's still in that I, I don't know what I would do because as a leader, you are supposed to look out for your folks as far as personal protection, operational risk management, things like that. How is your ORM sheet telling you wear a fucking skivvy shirt as a mask? How is that ORM? If that Insane. came across my desk, I'd be like, absolutely not. You don't have Libo. What are you talking? No, no, yeah. you do not. It's crazy. It's insane. And it's just, yeah, you're right. It's just so incredibly Marine Corps. I promise you, if, <laughs> I you're, love it, if you're a taxpayer out there, some of your money went towards an incredibly like $3 million PSA telling troops how to turn their shirts into a mask. But- and the PAOs out there are triggered too. Like they oh, were hopping God. into our Instagram mentions from third mall. Oh, they yeah. were in there getting funny. after it, trying to protect it. That would be a nightmare job right now, being a PAO, having to... Just shut up, PAO. We don't care about just, what you have just to Just stay say. out of our comments. Unless yeah. you got something well, for cool. And people, cool also people were saying in the Instagram comments, ZBT just likes to shit on the senior leadership. Uh, yeah. yeah. When they're doing dumb shit, yes. Like, that is one of the things that we should be doing, right? Well, like, you don't want us, do you want us to just suck them off? Like, and say that everything that they do is right? No. Yeah, see, that's the great thing about all of us is we no longer have to answer to any of that senior leadership so we can voice our, our true opinions about them without well, you repercussion. Well, you can still get recalled, right? Uh, no. An officer can get recalled at any time, right? Oh. No. No? You, you, no. you have to resign your commission? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Learn something well, new. All right, let's learn have... something else. We just learned something there from cons. Let's learn something else from a Marine welder who is turning in to a lawyer. He's going to law school, I believe, at the University of Wisconsin. And that is going to be brought to you by our good friends at Mac Weldon. If you don't have Mac Weldon, you're wrong. The frustration was real, and our eureka moment happened when a department store aisle full of brands dominated our top drawer, surrounded by a mind-numbing assortment of underwear and socks. We realized that consistent fit and quality became a game of roulette, so we decided to take matters into our own hands, and they started from scratch and engineered their own fabric and made a design process that was meticulous so you can count on it being fit Every single time they built a world-class customer service experience and the differences in the details, 
They obsessed over every single stitch, every single stream, until they had reached their definition of perfect. Mac Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. That's not true because I am wearing MacWeldon.com right now. Mac Weldon is premium men's essential brand that believes in smart design, and it does indeed offer industry-leading underwear, but there's so much more than just an underwear company. They're the one-stop shop for men's basics of all kinds. The basics of socks, shirts, hoodies, underwear, and new adjustable Storm Chaser rain jacket is really long lasting it's high quality and its items are on the market make sure that you go get some of this stuff right now because it's awesome i have it um once you purchase it 200 worth of products from max weldon not only will you continue to receive free shipping but you'll also start receiving 20 percent off on every order you make for the next year it also grants you access to new products before they're even released so it's kind of like a little subscription program it's pretty great make sure that you go there to macweldon.com enter the promo code zbt and you're going to get 20 percent off your first order Go to MacWeldon.com with the promo code ZBT. We all love it. You're going to love it. Get their underwear, get their shirts, get their hoodies, get all their stuff, and do it right now at MacWeldon.com with the promo code ZBT. Let's hop into another Career Day episode that we have right now. You're going to enjoy this one because it comes to us from a guy who is doing great thing. His name is Mitchell Neff. Here he is. Honestly, before we start, thanks for picking up early. I, I might have bit off more than I can chew. Twelve interviews in a row is a lot. <laughs> it was more than I expected. Don't be afraid to move me around. I got nothing else to do. So. Oh no, you're good. I don't, you're actually uh, the second to last. I only have one more after you. Awesome. Um, and you say your last name, Knife. Kneef. Kneef. Okay. You actually do pronounce it with a K. All right. Yeah. Here we go. <clears throat> Now on Zero Block 30's career week, we have Mitchell Kniff, who is a Marine Corps veteran. What are you doing now, Mitchell? Uh, I'm in law school. Oh, well, fancy boy. My God. Did you use your GI Bill for that? Uh, I didn't. I used most of it on undergrad. So as a reservist, fat, nasty reservist, it's a little bit different for us. Yeah, so you're the fat, nasty reservist I was telling people about that was coming on the show. While you were in, though, what was your job while you were in the Marines? So I was a welder, 13, 16 welder in the Marine Corps. See, and that's not the one when you're sitting at the bar, you're sitting at Applebee's or wherever, Buffalo Wild Wings, and you have a beer and you're talking about your Marine Corps days. Welder's not the first job that people pops into their mind whenever you're in the Marines, right? No, not at all. I get a, get a lot of funny looks when I tell people that's what I did. So how did you, whenever they told you that you could go be a welder, was that something that you were interested in at the recruiting office and they said, this is an option, and you're like, fuck yeah, I want to weld? So yeah, the- Fucking recruiters. So <laughs> that's how he got me is I was going to go active duty. I'm going to get shit for saying that. But that was always the goal. And then he's like, oh, you can be a welder because he had to fill his reserves billet. And that's what I ended up doing because it sounded badass. And so what is what does that entail? So when you're a reservist and you are a welder for the Marine Corps, so you go through boot camp. Um, for those that don't know, whenever you're in the Marine Corps, whether it's reservist or not, you go. everybody goes to the same boot camp. And then you get out and you go to – mct and then your follow-on training would i assume be welding school right yeah so you go to mct and then uh mine was in fort lee virginia which is actually an army base um and i think i was the first or the second class to go through there before that it was in aberdeen at the proving grounds okay and so whenever you're going through welding school they start straight from like the barney style of like this is an arch and like things like that Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, there's guys there, me included, that really don't have a clue what you're doing, and they start you from scratch. And how was it a difficult process for you to learn? 
Uh, no, not really. It's really not that complicated. Some of the later stuff, so they teach you um, armor plating while you're at school, which you never, ever do in the fleet. I think most of it's contracted out, but you learn it at school, and shit like that gets pretty complicated. So whenever you get to your actual reserve station and you're going on your once a month or your two weeks a year, what is what do you do like as a welder? Like, is there always shit to weld? So at my unit, I was that might sound like a ridiculous question, but I just don't know. <laughs> no, so like at my maintenance unit, like my actual reserve unit, when we went and did the one weekend a month, no, there was never anything for me to do. I was constantly getting sold out to somebody else to do bullshit working party stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when you go on your two weeks or longer periods to support some active duty guys or something, um, like out in Twenty Nine Palms, there is always shit to do, um, and it's actually a super underrated job because. Not many people know you're there, so you get kind of hidden in a shop somewhere. Mm. And the people that do know you're there don't want to tell anyone else because they want to keep you to themselves. Oh, they want to have you as their own little private welder. So you you walk onto the scene, somebody knows something's messed up. When is the time for you to come in, the most common things that you guys would help build? Uh, so something we saw all the time is something stupid like a headache rack on a 7-ton. So okay. Marines just bust the shit out of everything. So we'd see stuff like that all the time. Um, a lot of times you do like the, the minor aches on the front of tanks, they break the teeth off that shit like that all the time. Um, and then you get pure fabrication stuff. So we used to have tankers come in all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, there's the big vents on the back of a tent for anyone that are on the back of a tank for anyone that doesn't know it's a jet engine. So it's kicking up a ton of sand and the grunts that walk beside it hated it. So they'd bring it in and we like custom fabricate tank vents that would kick the air up and set it down stuff like that so they come in so you'll have like a platoon sergeant or something like that come in and say hey this is what happened this is what happening you almost do you have to build it in your mind almost like a makeshift engineer like this is what i'm gonna do to help this problem out 100 that's probably one of the cooler parts of the job too is you'll get stuff like that where you were literally making something from scratch and people love you for it so like those tanker shit they're buying us beer buying us lunch all the time Letting us drive their tanks around the training grounds and shit. Yeah. That's it's super underrated. And do you try to make it look as nice as possible, like whenever you're doing it, or you know everything's just going to be crude? Oh, no. There's a lot of times that you'll make it look super nice, take some pride in it. But at the same time, there's some jobs where nobody knows what the hell you're doing, so you can just make it look like shit and tell them it's awesome, and they don't know the difference. And I, I imagine that's one of the better jobs to get because we, we talk to people all the time who are doing things like being an 0352 where there's not a whole lot of civilian transfer over. Being a welder, that's not the case at all. Like you could take that skill and go anywhere. Oh, yeah. I would say not, being, not doing it in the civilian world, I'm a rarity. Um, I know a ton of guys that I was in with are like pipe fitters and stuff now, um, which is hard work, but then they can make some bank and it transfers pretty well. I bet. And so how did you d- decide to you go back and use your GI bill? Cause you don't really see people who are welding now going into law school. That is a pretty unusual track. Yeah. Um, so I went to undergrad while I was in the reserves, which is something a lot of people don't think about as reservists, but there's a lot of guys doing stuff like that. You're doing that and going to school at the same time. So I got my undergrad, um, and even after my undergrad, I really wasn't satisfied with what I was doing. So I kind of ended up going back to law school. So whenever you were in 
what was the longest? Because we hear all the time, like, oh, a reservist is a weekend warrior, especially on the Marine Corps side, because you go through all the bullshit of going to Marine boot camp and then going straight to the reserve. I looked at my buddies that went to the reserves after I got done with boot camp. Like, why in the world would you put yourself through that shit just to just to do it like one weekend a month? What was the longest that you were actually like on an active streak? Um, I probably went. I never deployed, so most I probably went was from boot camp to training, and I got stuck waiting for classes at uh, follow-on school. So that was probably it was probably eight or nine months that I was pretty much active duty. Um, but I know a ton of guys that were at my unit before I got there when stuff was really popping off overseas that did two, three deployments. So there's definitely reservists that do damn near active duty their entire contract. And how is that process of going from eight or nine months being not just in the Marine Corps, but being like a super boot in the Marine Corps, just finishing up and then getting the opportunity to go back home that next trip back and putting your uniform back on and going such a mind fuck. I bet, <laughs> man. <laughs> it's, I, I know a lot of active duty guys will shit on it, but that is a super hard part about being a reservist is kind of being able to flip that switch and being fat and nasty and then mm-hmm. going and being a Marine for two days. It's, it's tough. And growing your hair out for a month and then yeah. having to get back into it. Then you go back to your normal job and look like an asshole. Cause you got the military haircut again. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And you don't uh, you don't have something holding your hand for PT and stuff and you got to do that shit on your own. It's it's tough. Yeah, I mean, I imagine when I went to dog school, it was 13 weeks and I had just finished MP school. So I was in like the early stages. And then we so we were here at an Air Force base and I went from the Air Force base straight to Okinawa, Japan, being surrounded by Marines again. And I was like, oh, fuck, (laughs) I can't imagine that of going to work or going to college and then showing back up to your reserve duty station and have to jump back into being PFC or Lance Corporal, whoever. That would be yeah. difficult. Yeah, it's a mindfuck for sure. <laughs> Any regrets on uh, using your GI Bill early and not having to pay for the law school? Oh, man, it would be nice, especially because I'm in Wisconsin now, and Wisconsin doubles up on it. So, yeah, I really wish I would have saved it, but what are you going to do? Yeah, I guess be a lawyer. What kind of law do you want to get into? Uh, so I'm not entirely sure. Probably something simple, business, transaction, so I don't have to deal with too many people. We uh, on the Chaps and Kate show, we have a guy named Tanner from Wisconsin that calls in all the time, and he's a big time farmer. Get into some farm law up there, do some dairy law. Oh, yeah, there's all kinds of I'm from Iowa too, so I'm all about the farm life. <laughs> there we go, man. We appreciate you taking the time to join us, and we appreciate your service, Mitchell. Thanks. Hey, thanks for having me on, Chaps. Hand up, that's on me. I messed up the order. We were supposed to do space show before that, and that's fine. You just got to listen to him a little bit early. So yes. if you're if you're keeping track in your programs, which I would imagine almost none of you are, you were like, hey, what the hell? He promised. If you just three spit your coffee out across the room, you're like, what is this? Wait what a the minute. fuck is this? What, what are we listening to right now? This is a bunch of horse shit. This yeah. is supposed to be Steve Carell talking about Space Force. I hear some guy talking about law school and well, mm-hmm. not on my watch. Not I unsubscribe. Subscribe, one star, Chaps is a man of his word. Probably the reason mm-hmm. why he got his truck stolen. Yeah, I was going to say, not surprised Chaps got his car <laughs> stolen. <Yeah. laughs> All right, what but do we got, Kate? Round number three, you know me. Four, as you were. Pardon me, you're right, round number four. The Office, gang. Mm. There's people who grind my gears, certain adults who grind my gears. Now tread lightly. One of them is Disney adults. Mm. No offense. See? Son of a bitch. Grinds my gears. 
Like, no. all right, now, can you please expound on what you mean by Disney adults? If you don't know, you're not one. Don't worry about it. Number two <laughs> is people who overkill the office. I'm not looking at anybody in here. I'm not looking at anyone in here. It's a, it's a silly show. It's a great show. But people, let it go already. My God. My no. God. Like, but nobody says that to you about it's always sunny. I think, but you, I don't talk about it's always sunny all day long. Yeah, but I think it's because the office is that special. It's that place mm. in your life where it's just like a little heart. You know, like <sighs> whenever in Moana, when Moana goes and restores the heart of Rafiki, that's basically what it's like for me. Whenever I go in and I have the office on at night, it restores my heart to a simpler time. It's just a simple laugh. I know exactly what's going to happen, and it's continuous comedy forever and ever. Amen. In the words why do you of think, Randy Travis, why do you think the office? Gets hated on the the way Kate's hating on it, and shows like Seinfeld and Friends. Well, actually, I feel like Friends gets a lot of hate too. But why do you think this is? Uh, because Kate hates pop culture that she doesn't agree with. I think she only likes It's Always Sunny because it's based out of Philadelphia. If it wasn't yeah. in Philadelphia, she'd also no. hate that show. Mainstream funny, Kate hates. If a well, lot of anyway. people think it's funny, Kate doesn't. <laughs> yep. Anyway, that's because none of you knows what funny is. I'm the only one on the planet. <laughs> But I'm hoping, my hope, because Steve Carell is back with a new show that's going to be airing on May 29th on Netflix, Friday, May 29th, Space Force. No huge reaction from you guys there. But yeah, yes. we've heard about it before. I was <laughs> wondering what the new wait, information is going to be. Well, here's the new information. There's okay. more info on it now. All right. uh, so it's got an amazing cast. It's yes. got a pretty amazing cast. It's So now we know that Steve Carell is the decorated pilot. He's an Air Force four-star general, Mark R. Naird. And he's thrown for a loop when he finds himself tapped to lead the Space Force. He's skeptical but dedicated, so he uproots his family and moves them to Chicago, this remote area in Chicago. And he and a colorful team of scientists and spacemen, I can't wait to see who all those people are, are tasked Space by the men. White House. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> are, are tasked by the White House of getting American boots on the moon again in a hurry and achieving total space dominance. His wife Maggie is going to be played by Lisa Kudrow. And, and part of her story arc is that she was kind of held back. She had to hold herself back for her husband's career, and which I think a lot of military spouses sometimes feel mm. like. Uh, and so she's starting to go in a different direction than Steve Carell. Oh, love it. drama. Um, and so also the show was not affected. A lot of shows were affected by the coronavirus production shutdown. They were not. So Netflix is going to be releasing it, the whole series, on May 29th. But I think they can go a million really fun directions with this premise. I think it's just such an awesome premise. And that... John Malkovich is there, and anytime he's involved with anything, it's fucking great, because he's just a giant weirdo. Yeah, yes. and Greg giant. Daniels, one of the creators of The Office, is on it, too, with Steve Carell. They, they were the writers on it and stuff. So I feel like this could be up there with the ranks of uh, classic shows like The A-Team with Mr. T and The Code. No, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a take for you guys. Okay. If you go back, you're an Office fan, right, Cons? I, I wouldn't say – I mean I've watched it, but I wouldn't say I'm one of these people that just go nuts for it. Okay, I, understand, so I appreciate while, that it's a funny show. While we're on, I want both of you guys to go to Google.com right now and Google Steve Carell episode one, season one of The Office and look what he looks like. Oh, oh yeah. I already know what he came looks like. Out. Yeah. This – Steve Carell has probably the greatest glow up of anybody I've ever seen in Hollywood. Like, the way that he looks now, comparatively, he's a silver fox. When he first started, he was a bucket of shit. Like, looked like garbage. And now, he's a very handsome guy. 
Yeah, it's I mean, it just goes to, goes what goes to, to prove that yeah, money can buy looks. Uh, you know, the the oft used example are the Kardashians or the Jenners rather, and he is another great example of someone who you get a little success, you get a little money, and guess what? You're gonna start looking a lot better. Dave Chaps, Portnoy. would you did you bring that up because of the hair plugs and maybe are you directing no, that? No, somebody no. in the group know that that's an option. Mm-hmm. Nope. Okay. All right. I would never do that. Anyways, okay. I'm looking forward to it, especially since we're all kind of stuck at home. I well, wish here's they would what, release it sooner. Here's what you need to re- remember here right now with Steve Carell. Is Steve Carell is not just a, okay, put him on screen and it's going to be a huge hit. Because guess what? I watched. Oh, we got it. Cons, guess what? You know it's going to be good. I watched <laughs> the, new, um, the show with Steve Carell, Jen Aniston, and Reese Witherspoon, the morning show. And yeah. that was just okay. It was not yeah. great. His character was really grimy. Uh, the only other time I remember Steve Carell being a grimy person I didn't like was in the movie The Way Way Back. Great movie if you can uh, find it some streaming somewhere. It's a great movie. So I'm hoping that his return back to comedy will restore him in the good graces of people. Uh, but the show has a lot of potential just based on the cast, and he looks great in uniform. And while we're going through the catalog, what are you, we want to get your thoughts on the record about Evan Almighty. How did you feel about that, Cons? Meh. Meh. Okay. Interesting, yeah. Kate. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's move on to round number five, where we're going to have Congressman Dan Crenshaw on to talk about all kinds of things, all kinds of Dan Crenshaw things. Here he is. All right, now on Zero Block 30, privileged to have another congressman, this time from the 2nd Congressional District here in Texas. He is a former lieutenant commander, retired from the Navy SEALs, and he is a Saturday night live alum i'm excited about that before we actually get into the show i want you to know that we have a mutual connection in pete davidson did you know that no i didn't know that so we're both mentioned on his netflix special you for the spat that i think everybody listens to this show knows about but i don't know if you know this or not i'm actually the one that coined the phrase butthole eyes that was me. Really? Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. So I wrote a blog about it. <laughs> said, did you know that Pete, does Pete Davidson look like he has butthole eyes? And it went yeah. super viral. And now still, yeah. if you if you search it. So we have that in common. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that phrase really connected with people. It really did. It really shot <laughs> yeah. to the heart of people for sure. <laughs> so how did you feel whenever the Netflix special came out and that was back in the news again? Were you like, oh, fuck, here we go? Uh, basically, yeah. Um, I I was I was a little surprised by his tone on that. Um, it, listen, I, on the one hand, like he he always he always walks that line, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like he didn't he didn't really say anything mean or offensive in his Netflix special by 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 any stretch. But it was kind of like, dude, why? I don't understand the point. You know, like we we had something good here. Yeah, <laughs> we we had something good that people liked. Like I, I don't know why. I don't know why you had to, for lack of a better term, shit all over it. Um, but, you know, it, it wasn't, it, it, again, he didn't do anything offensive. And in, in I guess I'm always asked, are you offended? Are you offended? It's always the question. Um, no, it's just, uh, it was just kind of unnecessary. And, and also, it's not funny. It, you know, this is the problem with, with a lot of uh, pop culture in general, a lot of late night shows. Um, a lot of comedians who just kind of get up there and, and start to mouth off with their politics or whatever is going on. And they, they forget to be funny mm. because like you, you can, you could re- you could really push the line, really push the envelope as long as it's funny. Right. right. Like, and there's plenty of comedians who, who, who clearly do that very, very well. 
And, uh, but, but like, there's just one rule in comedy, which is just be funny. And so, you know, if he's just kind of, he was just kind of go, like, I, so I just thought it was strange. Like there wasn't like a, it wasn't a particularly funny segment. It was, it was just kind of a strange segment. And it, so my, my comment on the whole thing was just like, this guy can't stop thinking about me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did see that. You, you're living a rent space uh, free in his head, which is, which is nice. Now you're on the road, you're doing a, a book tour. Obviously if whenever they see the social media clips, you have your big book tour coming out, but you're still a Congressman and you have big time responsibilities with everything that's happening with coronavirus. Can you kind of walk us through what a, a typical Congressman's role would be in a, a situation like coronavirus? Yeah. And, and I would say there is no book tour. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess that's a bad time to be releasing a book. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the worst time in maybe in recent history to ever release a book. Um, but we can't change that. And so there's no tour. Uh, but, but we are it's still getting released. Um, so the uh, what, what are what is Congress doing throughout this? Uh, we're obviously not involved in the day to day management of the crisis. Uh, that, that is left to mayors, uh, governors, and the federal government, um, meaning, you know, led by the president, of course. Uh, Congress's role, and my role in particular, has, has really been to just educate the public, okay? So, obviously, our, our, our initial roles were to pass the legislation necessary, the, the emergency funding necessary, to actually battle the crisis. You'll recall that the, the first time we did that was uh, about an $8 billion uh, emergency supplemental appropriation, uh, simply, sim simply to sort of back up some of the public health expenses that had already been expended on it. The nation hadn't really woken up to anything by that point. When Trump asked for $2.5 billion, I'll never forget this. It was like the first time a single Democrat actually started talking about it. And, and, and that, that really is true. And then they started lambasting him for not asking for enough money. I thought that was very odd. Um, and, and then that week, instead of actually giving them any money, we banned flavored tobacco, which uh, I don't think your military audience is aware of what actually happened in the House of Representatives, that flavored tobacco was banned. Uh, of course, that'll never make it through the Senate. It'll never be signed into law. So you don't have to worry. You still get your grizzly. All right? your, grizzly <laughs> your grizzly wintergreen is still But the smoking available. age did go. The smoking age is not going to be Lance Corporals and PFCs out there. It's just going to be Corporals that and Sergeants and above. That is true. That is true. Now, whenever we're talking about the economy and we're talking about people's lives and we're talking about how those two things are intertwined, one of the ways that they're intertwined for sure is healthcare. And we know that with this current pandemic and how the pandemic is playing out right now, just in Texas, for example, 17.5% of people who live in Texas are medically uninsured. So whenever you have the cost, the average cost of somebody who gets hospitalized for coronavirus approaching at least $24,000, that's going to be crippling for a lot of people whenever they get out if the projections of over a million Texans losing their jobs. How do we come together as Texans just because we're both Texas guys? What do we do for all those people who are losing their health care or who, are who don't have health care? And where does the federal government's responsibility and Texas's responsibility of stepping in and saying, okay, these are going to be things that we have to deal with as a society. I, I've heard this point being made every once in a while, and it, and it relies on this false assumption or false premise that somebody without health insurance doesn't get care. First of all, they, they got care before this happened, and they'll mm -hmm. get care during the pandemic. So it's really a non-issue. 
I mean, granted, our, our healthcare system as a whole is not a non-issue. Our, our, our insurance system sucks, and it's definitely not the way it should work. And there's lots of reasons for that. We could, we could speak for hours on why that is. But, but it's not really applicable to this current situation. So nobody's losing their healthcare because of this pandemic. And if you don't have health insurance, you're not getting turned away if you have coronavirus. That's just not happening. Well, part of part of that part of that sustainment package, that rescue package, was um, over a hundred billion dollars for hospitals and health providers for that exact reason. It's to reimburse the hospitals for the care that they're that they're providing, um, also for testing as well. So, so now, do you think that tested. that means that they won't get billed? That that individual patient won't get billed because the hospital is going to recoup their funds? I'm sure those bills are still going to flow into those people, and that will be that will affect them. I mean, sure, not health-wise, but a $24,000 up bill, if you don't have health insurance, is going to be crippling for a lot of families. Yeah, well, as you know, like, so in, at least in the Houston area and in Texas at large, we have low-income hospitals that are specifically for this, this group. So you have to understand how a lot of people just, this is, it's really complex. So Texas didn't expand Medicaid, but we still use that federal money to fund hospitals for the uninsured. And what ends up happening is it's a much more efficient model. You know, pe people get really obsessed with this idea of insurance. It's just a piece of paper. What you actually need is healthcare. Mm -hmm. So what's the most efficient way to deliver healthcare and what are the incentives being used? If you have Medicaid, what happens oftentimes is that extra additional services often get, get billed to Medicaid just to make money. When in reality, what we want is hospitals to fix people so that they stop coming back and being a burden on the system. So in reality, our, our, our Texas system is actually more efficient. I know it doesn't feel good because people start railing, oh my God, we have so many uninsured people. Well, what are our health outcomes? That, that, that's the, really the right question to ask. And then why are those health outcomes the way they are? There's a lot of studies that show over years and years and years that just because you expand a Medicaid population doesn't make the people healthier. There's, there's, there's other factors at play here, but that always seems to be the sort of the shallow talking point used, and it's just not true. And people need to, and, and this is tough to do research on because our system is it, it's such a complex issue. But always, you know, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm talking about my book this this week. A lot, a large part of my book is is people need to show the mental fortitude. The book is called Fortitude to to look into issues, right, and to deep dive into issues, and to and to maybe maybe wonder if there are more layers to this question than, than it's just being told to you and to, and to not react emotionally to some of the things you hear. But, and with healthcare, boy, I see that all the time. Yeah, and I, I think that it's just a, probably maybe a disagreement on what we believe the health outcomes are in Texas. Like, for example, the American health rankings rank Texas as 34th in the, in the country as far as states go for total health outcomes. So there is a lot of like medical aspects out there that Texas isn't doing that great as far as medical insurance and medical testing and things like that go. The, the question is why? The question is always why. What is it about our population? Is it because our healthcare services aren't good? Is it because people are being denied care? Because that would be the implication if, uh, talking about the insurance side. But it turns out that's not, that, that's not necessarily true. There's a lot of factors that, 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 that lead to a health outcome. And if, and if you're just and if you're just automatically connecting that with lack of insurance, that there's, then, then you have to have some evidence to support that, but I never see any.
Yeah, just lack of insurance would be like lack of preventative care and things like that. You rely primarily on emergency room care where they're not going to be able to turn you away by law and stuff like that. I think that's the biggest difference that people would come across. So you're one of those names that's thrown out as eventual um, runner for president and things like that. Like people love you. Like you have, well, first you have like your people who love Dan Crenshaw. You definitely have those people who hate Dan Crenshaw. I put out that I was interviewing today. Some vitriol came flying into the mentions of people who don't like you too. But I think that that's how politics are. If you're successful right now, like you said, there is a lot of big time political vibe, no matter if you're AOC or if you're you, you're going to have people who love you or you're going to have people that hate you. Same thing with Trump. I mean, no matter what he does, his approval rating is going to be about the same. That's just the way the country's mind works right now. If you do become that level of politician, what would you do to fix some of those entitlement programs? And how would you go to focusing the money more on the younger generation rather than those older folks? Yeah, well, there's a lot packed into that question. Um, yeah, you're right. A lot of people do hate me. A lot of people, I guess, love me. Um, it, uh, it's, it's interesting. You made me think of something. Uh, you know, in the military, we, we see the best of Americans often. And in politics, it's, uh, that's not the case. And, and that is an unfortunate reality about politics. When you start going through the comments and you're just like, and you just wonder how people come up with some of this stuff. Mm. Um, you know, yeah, where I go from here, as far as politically speaking, I have no idea. Um, but that's not your question. Your question is, okay, how do you fix Social Security? Um, yeah, well, a better, again, getting wonky into the details here, a better way to look at Social Security is, is one, give young people private retirement accounts so you can actually see what, what's happening with your money, um, as opposed to just transferring it directly into the trust fund. Another thing, you need to means test uh, the benefits a little bit more, and you also need to slow the growth drastically. For the benefits right now they grow uh, they grow way faster than inflation and that doesn't make any sense not when we have an aging population um, and, and not enough workers to pay for that aging population uh, we need to raise the return so so what does the millennial generation have to give we have to raise our own retirement age that's what we have to give we're going to live way longer than our, our our grandparents did when they started paying yeah 62 65 is fucking nothing now it's in, exactly. And in fact, that's actually gone down. I mean, 65, it went from 65 to 62. Yeah, as far that as doesn't eligibility make any sense goes. at all. And that happened like later on in the program. It doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, so th these are, social security is a politically difficult problem to solve, but from a, um, a technical standpoint, it's actually quite easy to solve. And you don't have to, you don't have to throw granny off a cliff. You don't have to, you don't even have to decrease benefits for the people we're about to retire and relying on those. Do it like you did to the military where you change the retirement and the people that are joining now, that's what they get kind of thing, right? Right, right. yeah, that, that's, that's, that's a good analogy. Um, for things like Medicare and Medicaid, these are harder. Um, you should look at premium support models. So, you know, Medicare Advantage has been wildly popular and came in under budget. And that's because it, it pits insurance companies against each other. It forces competition into the system. Uh, and choice into the system. Competition and choice are always very good things. Um, and they, they do drive down costs and improve quality. And seniors have, have liked these programs. So thinking along those lines, how you solve the Medicare, Medicaid problem um, is one way to do it. I think Medicaid should be block granted to states. They should have a top line budget that they have to work with them. Um, those, are, those are some of the bigger structural differences uh, in how we should change things. But these, but admittedly, Medicare, Medicaid, that's a harder problem to solve because it's, it's attached to the cost of healthcare as a whole. 
One thing I'm really focused on, and you hit on this earlier about preventive medicine. Well, I have a solution to that, which is direct primary care. And you can, you can provide that cheaply for our more lower income uh, Texans. We're actually working with some tech, the Texas Public Policy Foundation on some ideas to, do, to, to contort Texas Medicaid with some freeing up of federal regulations that allow us to get poor people access to a direct primary care doctor. And um, I should probably explain what a direct primary care doctor is. It's a little bit different from your regular primary care doctor. It's basically, it's basically a subscription service. You pay a monthly fee and you have unlimited access to that doctor. So there's no, there's no third party anymore. That, that's the future of medicine as it relates to primary care and thus preventive medicine. So there's, there's ways to get there. I thought I had a great idea when I was driving around one day. I told one of my friends who's a nurse practitioner. I was like, you should design nurse practitioner, but like Uber, where you, you have something going on and you have a premium subscription to it and you just press the button and the that's nurse practitioner comes to your house. That's, that's exactly what direct primary care is. And I, I, think, I think nurse practitioners should be, should be able to access that market as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, so obviously there is some like political discourse that happens. I, we happen to think differently about a lot of issues and that's okay. I think that a lot of times whenever you have people who disagree, they have to be disagreeable. I think Dan and I showed that we didn't have to do that today, which is always nice. I can't wait for your book. I've read, I've read one of your other books. I can't remember what it was, but I, I wanted to see what you're all about whenever you showed up on the scene wearing the eye patch and things like that, which is for a junior congressman from Texas, you've only been in Congress since 2019. Having something like an eye patch and makes you stand out is a big time brand move too, right? <laughs> oh, it works. I mean, and the reason I wear it is, uh, you know, because in the teens, I would I would wear an eye patch every once in a while, more more for like formal events. But guys like the trident eye. I don't think mm -hmm. I have the trident eye. I don't think I have an eye in right now. Um, but uh, in in public life, what I what I realize is. Well, people ask really weird questions because I always, I always have a whole array of different eyes that I'll wear. Right. Um, and, and I notice that it's highly distracting for people when I'm outside of my own, you know, military friend group. And so the eye patch tells the story right away. And so it's kind of like a public private look and like a formal informal look. And I, it also glass eyes look really weird on camera and um, in pictures. And so the, the eye patch just became the, the way to, the way to, I guess, uh, the way to be. The census is coming up. Would you like to see your district make a little more sense whenever you look at it on a map? Yeah, it depends on what you made my more sense. I, I, this conversation is fascinating when it comes to gerrymandering. Like, right. Because it, it makes people so mad. Mm -hmm. and, and again, <laughs> most of what, the, the, we haven't hit a lot of topics in my book, but the, what, what the main topics in my book is, the, the need, an element of mental toughness means diving into an issue and thinking about it, like uh, just a few, a few more layers deep and thinking like the, the people you're up against may not have bad intentions, just maybe, sometimes they do, but, but maybe not, right? And like, let's look at it. So, so I always wonder like, and I'll ask people, what is it that makes you mad about a gerrymandered district? And also, why are you telling me about it? I don't, I don't draw the district. I just got here. Um, right. That was a big question that we got on Twitter. Ask him why he did. And I'm like, you think he fucking like put all his pencil and he did it? Like it was done right. 10 years ago on the census. And also, why does the shape make you mad? It's not, I mean, and people are like stopped by that question. They're stumped by it because they don't actually know. Like, why does the shape make you mad? Now, the insinuation is that if the shape is odd, that it must be corrupt. But, how, but do you know that that's true? 
Because as it turns out, like my district in particular, I was talking to some legislators about this who had kind of seen, who had been there a while, because I'm trying to figure out like, why is it? Why is it that shape? It's a good question. It's changed many times over the years. Um, Oftentimes it's because of a political disagreement that can't be sorted out. And so judges have to use a formulary to actually draw it. And usually judges, whenever they find something out like that, I think it happened in Virginia, they're like, no, these districts are pretty fucked up. I think Texas has upheld your district, obviously, and it gets done again, and it'll get done in this year, yeah. right? The census is right now. Yeah, yeah. So I, I really don't know what'll happen to it. Um, I, I have such little control over it that it's not something I, I overwhelmingly think about. Um, yeah, because because I have no control over it. I know that if Democrats take over the Texas State House, they'll they'll do their best to draw me out in particular. I'll probably be one of their number one targets, and. Uh, and I, but I don't, I don't know what changes would occur to it otherwise. I mean, I guess if you, if, 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 if it is the shape, and, and I, I gave a long, complicated answer for, for gerrymandering, because I think people need to hear that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Because I, I, I just want people to stop and think. That's all I'm asking. Just stop and think. Why are you angry? Again, the, the main part of my book is like, stop and think why this is making you so emotional. Why, why, why does this cause you to to mouth off on Twitter and Facebook? And, and how is that beneficial for our American culture? You know, it, it just, people stopped asking questions, real questions, like good faith questions, like a long time ago. They stopped looking for answers, even worse than that. And that really concerns me. Um, it concerns me so much that I, that I wrote a book about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's really just arrows being slung at people as opposed to, to genuine questions being asked. And so, you know, as it, as it pertains to gerrymandering, it's, it's frankly, it's a good example of how it makes people so mad. It makes people so mad. It's, it's this idea that, that if there's something strange going on, it must be discrimination or it must be corruption or it must be some evil force. Um, there, there, there's no space to wonder if something is just the way it is for, for either good reason or no reason. You know, like it's, uh, it, and I, I just find it hard to believe that nobody Nobody defaults to at least, I wonder, you know, at least wondering why, but it, it seems to me that we're very quick to jump to conclusions. And I find that to be um, detrimental to our, to our discourse as a whole. Yeah. I, I mean, I see what you're saying. And I also understand the other side of that, that would say that history like poll taxes and the way that voter suppression has happened in a lot of different areas across the country, like plays a part in that. So when you see something that looks odd, you're going to call it out as odd, even if maybe the intention wasn't to be that but if you see that it is a jarring image whenever you see something like your district um but again you don't have anything to, to do with yeah, that uh, at yeah all. but i'll say you kind of made my point you're like so basically the assumption is that if something bad happened once we should assume that every time you see something odd it's because of that <laughs> it's because of that bad intent from decades centuries ago i mean how does that make sense so from a logical perspective i I'm not, I'm not sure I see the connection. And, and I'm just asking people to, to think a little bit more reasonably about something. And, and also voter, voter suppression has nothing to do with gerrymandering in this case. You know, you could, you could say it's a corrupt drawing of lines, but that wouldn't be voter suppression necessarily. I, I think we just have to tr- choose, our, choose our terms uh, carefully. All right. And so tell people about your book and where they can get your book. I think it comes out August, or April 
seventh every day is basically the same now. It feels like a deployment. Do you agree with that? We said two weeks ago, this feels like a deployment where days don't matter. There is no Monday. There is no Friday. There is no Saturday. Every day is just a fucking day. Do you agree with that? Oh, kind of. On deployment, though, there was always there was always the promise of some action happening. And like lobster and the lobster Sundays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it depends <laughs> on where you're at. Um, but uh, this, this this very much does not feel that way. Um, but uh, but yeah, in the sense of like every day is the same, and and you just and your your basic only way to talk to people is through uh, you know FaceTime or Zoom or whatever it is we're using. Um, yeah, that's it's it's a lot like deployment in that sense. That's for sure. Um, yeah, you can find a book. Uh, one one way, easy way to buy it is dancrenshawbook.com slash pre-order. Um, you can find it anywhere you always find books, of course. Uh, always better to buy from your local bookstore uh, in, in times like this uh, because your local bookstores need some, uh, need some business. And that's um, just a, why not support our local uh, bookstores and, and order some takeout while you read it. So, yeah, have them yeah. come out and bring it to you on Uber or something like that. Put it on your door. Let, before we let you go, whenever we had Will Hurd on a couple of weeks ago, um, I'm sure you remember him and Beto O'Rourke driving from El Paso all the way to D.C. and stopping in Whataburger and things like that. Because of the restrictions that are going to be in place whenever we really get going with presidential debates, we had the idea that President Trump and Vice President Biden should ride together, one of them driving, and just have a debate through Periscope and on Facebook Live where people got to ask questions and see the honest conversation between them. Will you join us in that call? <laughs> It'd be the most streamed thing in the history of the world. It'd be unbelievably entertaining. I would, I would love to see that. <laughs> I think you give them like, just make them do, well, there is no rush hour traffic, so they could really just do it in D.C. Just drive from D.C. down to Fredericksburg and back, and I think that, that would be good, like 90-minute drive. Yeah. I mean, do you want to start with, with Bernie and Biden? Bernie's not out of the uh, He's basically out of it now. I mean, the delegates, he'd probably be out of it for sure. I mean, I'm not a big Biden guy by any means, um, but I would like to see just the two conversations because I think it could go in a wild fucking direction. You never know where those two where it could end up. It, it 100% would. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd be great. And it would take the people's mind off being quarantined. I mean, everybody, be, it would be like the old time days whenever you had uh, the radio would go on. And like, if you lived outside of St. Louis and the Cardinals were playing, it would be that kind of moment where it would be huddled around their phone or their computer instead of huddled around the TV. It would be a nice little quarantine break. Yeah. I mean, you know, in the, in the age where politics and entertainment have become intertwined to a, a frankly, an unfortunate degree, uh, we might as well. Like we, yeah. we might as well add the tiger. Just fucking out. lean into let's, it. Let's, yeah, let's, let's have a tiger in the front seat while we're at it. I mean, <laughs> let Joe Exotic out and bring him in there. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, let's make it real weird. All right. Well, thanks, Congressman. We appreciate you joining us. We hope to have you again sometime. All right. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks to Dan for coming on the show. Again, we appreciate it. Always time whenever somebody from Congress stops in and hangs out with it for longer than they were supposed to. I think we were only supposed to talk for 20 minutes. We talked for like 45. So <laughs> he talked to us for a lot longer than he was supposed to. So I appreciate that for sure. What do we got for round number six? No brass, no trash, no saved rounds, ma'am.
but we will have save rounds later in the show. <laughs> this is a <laughs> this is a story about brass people. Now, did you guys ever get a bad brass burn? Uh, one, only one time. I when we were training up for the first deployment, and they would have us do those live firing lines where we were like shoulder to shoulder with each other, and you're rat da 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 going down and walking forward. And they said, if brass goes down the top collar of your flak jacket, you can't do any crazy moves because there's people right next to you. Mm -hmm. And so you can't flag anybody with your rifle. You just have to suck it up and let it burn and keep moving with the line. There's nothing you can do. So, so many times we had one of the women got a a brass thing came up and got stuck between her sunglasses and seared right next to her Mm. eye. I had so many that went down. I put a picture in the thing. People can't see it. But my neck, that was right before my brother's wedding when I was a bridesmaid in it. I had a huge brass burn that seared right through my neck. I still have a little bit of a scar from it. It's a cool scar, um, though. It's a cool scar, that's for sure. But um, I had, I mean, we were just covered in them, and I grew to You know to what hate. I say to that? Huh? Be, be a better athlete. Just just don't get hit. Man, I, I grew to dread it. I grew to dread doing live fire exercises because I was like, fuck. I knew I was going to get brass burns, and I knew how much it hurt. Mm-hmm. It fucking hurts, man. But anyways... Yeah. We're getting rid of the brass finally. So good news, people. Good news. After more than 50 years of failed attempts, the U.S. military will be on the verge of ending its love affair with brass-cased ammo, something that predates the Spanish-American War. So as we've updated all these other technologies in the military, the one thing, we're, we're storming San Juan Hill, Cuba in 1898 with brass case. Anyways, uh, it performs well in violent, superheated space of weapon chambers, obviously. And that's why it's lasted for so long. But its sheer weight is what has been the huge problem for infantrymen and logistic- mm-hmm. logisticians alike. But especially for these infantry guys. They have so much fucking weight on them already. And if they can find any way to lighten the load on these guys, it is a huge help. When you're under mm-hmm. fire, the last thing you want to do is be weighed down. So both the Army and Marines have relaunched multiple efforts Uh, to lighten the weapons and the equipment and especially the ammo. Uh, And this is happening now because it's uh, polymer casing is getting better and better. Oh, I thought you were going to say paper, like the paper straws. Paper straws, yeah. (laughs) But uh, polymer is the new thing. And I put it in here. They're white. They kind of look beautiful. They look really neat. Oh, that does look very fancy. There's a couple companies now that are putting these out that are getting better and better. So I know the Marine Corps is putting $10 million towards research. The Army is putting a bunch of money towards research. And I think... For the next couple of years, you're going to see no more brass. So I was excited when I saw this because I was like, no more police calls, no more whatever. But I think I think there's still going to be cases, yeah, obviously. Yeah, still yeah I still things to I was pick worried. Up. Uh, back in my core, I was about to do that. And then I realized, Cargo no, they'll still have to do it. brass and shit like that. <laughs> and gunnies exactly. to scrap, scrap yards. Yeah. I, I have a take, okay? Kay. And it's, it's a silly one. But I'm looking oh. at this picture here in the sheet. And... For some reason, the idea of plastic casings feels less lethal to me. Oh, I agree with I, that completely. Like, I know it has nothing to do with the actual projectile, but I look at it and I'm like, nah, that doesn't look as deadly. You're absolutely right. Rambo wasn't walking around the jungle with fucking Mardi Gras beads on. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. Mm. So, I don't know. We need to maybe paint them a different every color. every boot, the first time that you get around, like, 240 ammunition— 
Oh, yeah. As soon, as soon as you do that and you're around like an actual belt-fed ammunition, yeah. you put that shit on like your fucking Rambo. Everybody does that. It's not going to look nearly as cool whenever it's no. white polymer. That's not Well, you cool. know what? If I was, I would just have the Marines spend their weekends just paint tiny little skull and crossbones on every single one, you know? And also, be, you're going to have to change idea. ditties, Kate, like the rifle range ditties. I don't know if you guys have it. Slingshot, brass check, tap the four assist, sweep the sights, check the sight, weapon on safe, ejection port cover closed. You're going to have to change all that up. And yeah, now... No, no polymer, no trash, yeah. no safe Polymer rounds, check? That doesn't have nearly as a br- no brass check. No. That doesn't have the same thing. By all. the way, what what a what a big disappointment when you actually get to the military and you realize nobody actually walks around with belt-fed ammo draped over their shoulders looking like that's a badass. That's what I, that's what I, the biggest argument for like guns and stuff that I don't understand, like whenever people say, oh, military people shouldn't have to go to a concealed weapons permit because they're used to it. Uh, no, the fuck they're not. Like, yeah. <laughs> 99% of the military does not walk around with condition one weapons ever. Like yeah. they, even in combat zones, you have to unload show clear. Like whenever you're going, maybe condition three, whenever you're on like the fob or anything like that. But you know, you're not walking around condition one. Yeah, I promise no, you there's plenty not. of people in the military right now where if you ask them to break down an M9, they'd have no idea what the fuck they Dude, were doing. My dad did tw- <laughs> my my dad did 20 years in the Navy and told me never once, not at boot camp, never, did he ever fire a firearm. Not once in 20 years of service. That's wow. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So Nuts. you never know. You All never right, know. let's move hey, on to a little bit of... Sa- oh, real got, real huh? quick, before we get okay. into saved rounds, when we're talking about weapons... How concerned are you both right now with our boss, Dave Portnoy, and all the weapons he's being sent in the mail from people and just the lack of probably, I'll say, experience he has with these dangerous, dangerous weapons? Well, I don't know if you could have a lot of samurai training right now. (laughs) I don't know if that's a thing that a a lot of us have if we're dealing with like katana swords and shit like that, Um, unless you spent considerable time in okinawa almost all the marines in okinawa that lived in a barracks had one at some point or the other i think it's like a rite of passage that and a koi fish which you could see on my arm i think you almost have to have a koi fish tattoo whenever you <laughs> leave japan after a long period of time but um I don't, i'm not too concerned about him i'm more concerned with the the axe play i think that he could get really fired up when sports comes back about axe play definitely think that he could chop up some boxes and things like that but i think yeah. it'll be all right you don't okay. want to be holding an axe when your stock tanks and you lose like hundred million dollars but anyways yeah that's tough going but all right let's move on to save rounds alibis we'll start with yukons what do we got all right we got a few so buckle up okay one number one um modern family the series finale was on last night made me cry that was that was a show Mm. i watched religiously uh for the last 11 years uh great show um someone tweeted at me the other day asked me a question what my favorite fire mission was of all time for the record it's shake and bake but here is my promise to you two and to the listeners if all of this gets back to normal and I am able to arrange it, I would like nothing more than to bring us to an artillery live fire so you guys and myself, we can all throw some rounds down range because Hell I think yeah. that would be a very, very fun experience. I'm down. Okay. Um, and then lastly, there was a tweet that went out from the ZBT account about <laughs> who would you want to be quarantined with between mm-hmm. the three of us and, of course, Navy Coast Guard Shout to anybody who voted for Navy Coast Guard. And Kate won in a runaway fashion. And to me, that made zero sense. Okay? I think it makes complete sense. No. It, wh- okay. 
Why, all right, first, you tell me why you think that makes sense. I'm a not lot saying of our followers are dudes, and yeah, they're going to want to at least we, have a shot I at I think like our, our analytics yeah. say that it's like 88% dudes that follow the ZBT accounts. So yeah, but automatically, Kate's not like that. She's not. She's no, not, she's you know, not she's at all. Person. But you're still going to – Kate's funny. She has military stuff. She's going to be painting. You know that she's going to keep you entertained. She has okay. a cat. I'll I think let that you eat you junk can have food a, If you come to long. my house, do you have to deal with McCartney and Kelsey? Who wants to deal with that? Like, that's why I think I, I mean I get I know I know people are not going to pick me but I have it I have a spare bedroom I have a, a a girlfriend who's a phenomenal cook I have plenty of booze I can sit up with you all night and watch watch movies and drink or I could just leave you alone I don't know that I'd want to be stuck in a quarantine apartment with someone who's using a, a cupcake tray to make frozen pizza Sounds like somebody's a little desperate, and that's yeah. probably what scares them off. Maybe you got to play hard to get. I acted like I didn't care, and they all came I crawling in. I had no in. idea Kanz was going to be yeah. a stage five clinger on the show. Indeed. I didn't realize that either. Yeah. Big time version Kanz. What do you got, Kate? Uh, a couple things. You know, I started, I started seeing a therapist again, Yep. and we've been doing FaceTime. And because it's me, I picked a man who's like 80 years old mm-hmm. and like still doesn't understand how FaceTime works whatever. Anyways, last night we got into an argument. Me and my therapist, my 80-year-old therapist are arguing on FaceTime about some minutia of the Afghan war. It's like, instead of just letting it go, I was like, no, 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 no. So I dug my heels in and for a whole, a whole hour, I spent my whole hour arguing with my therapist. So that's where i But I'm you must at. be feeling contentious because that's not how you usually are. Right. I couldn't let it go. So I'm hitting a new point where I'm like, watch out. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Anyways, that was pretty cool. Also, John Prine, the musician, passed away. And if you are looking for music, his music to me is like a warm, comforting blanket of music. It's like if music was your favorite blanket on the planet, that's what his music is to me. And so if you're looking for a good listen, check out John Prine. Um, I've been putting him on my TV on YouTube, setting up the songs there and just playing it in the background. Anyways, also, we have a new shirt out, Embrace the Suck. Mm-hmm. Aren't we just uh, embracing the suck? So Hi, sir. Good morning, gentlemen. It's got the uh, the barstool dog on it, the barstool pup, the pirate dog, and it's the wearing ZBT a mask. pirate dog, the logo. ZBT pirate dog that that we have have used there, Insert. and it's got a little mask on it. So pretty cool stuff. It's actually a really great shirt. It comes in a bunch of different colors. So check it out. It's on the barstool site. Type in zero block thirty in the search bar at the store. Yep, there you go. Um, mine is that I've picked up gaming. I picked up a Nintendo Switch where I have Mario Kart. We're going to be playing that with the Barstool Game Time fellas, so make sure that you check that out. They're going to try to do that every day at 1. And also, I want to do Call of Duty. Dude, I was so proud of myself. I signed on Call of Duty, the new uh, game where it's kind of like Fortnite. And, well, one, it took me like two days to download it because I couldn't figure it out. I just said, like, oh, you're not involved with this server. Go out and try again. And I was getting super pissed. But I FaceTimed with Smitty. He walked me through how to actually download the game, which was great. But then I actually passed the indoc on Call of Duty to be able to get to the actual game. I was killing people left and right. Felt really nice. So I think I might uh, attach that to ZeroBlock30's YouTube page so people could check that yeah. out. And maybe we'll have Kate and Cons on so they can roast me do that. We're still going to have a movie night. I was thinking maybe maybe Saturday night. If you guys aren't busy, we can watch a little Major Pain together. Might be time to do that. Um, have a Saturday movie date. Major Pain. Major pain. Other than that, there's a lot of stuff going on. We're trying to pump out as much content as we can for you guys. We have big time shit. I will say this. One, I think I mentioned it last week um, that my medicine that I'm on for antidepressants and anti-anxiety have helped immensely. I don't think that I would have had the 
the type of night that I did where I was kind of able to get over it a little bit, I would have been really, really down and maybe not even able to record right now if it wasn't for that, like taking my mental health care seriously. But also, I'm interviewing a guy next week um, on Monday that spent six years as a prisoner of war in Vietnam in an 8x8 cell. He was shot down after he had done 140 missions. And he was in the last month of his tour in Vietnam before he was shut down. His flight instructor was none other than John McCain. He was good friends with John McCain until McCain's death. The, <laughs> when I was at my lowest last night, I signed on to Instagram and saw the guy's post talking about perseverance. And I just thought, I'm upset about my truck, even though it is a big financial loss and things like that. There has to be some sense of perspective, even though that we're dealing with a lot by being home and being isolated. The situations that we're in is still a lot better than other people. So we kind of kind of look around and bloom where we're planted. Do the best that you can. It's a tough spot to be in. Kate knows she's talking to her therapist. Cons talks to her therapist. I talk to the therapist. Make sure that you're doing that. Reach out to your friends. This is the most important time probably of our adult lives that we'll, everybody will be in the same boat together.